Introducing from Paradise Valley, Arizona, the superstar, Billy Graham. Superstar Billy Graham, very charismatic, colorful individual. The first thing I think of when I hear the name superstar Billy Graham is charisma. I think superstar Billy Graham's impact on professional wrestling at that time was tremendous. He was the first real big, impressive, strong man of, of the wrestling business. Look at the size of those upper arms. Ladies and gentlemen, they border in some 22 inches. He was unquestionably one of the most unique performers in the history of the business. Unique is the only way to describe superstar Billy Graham. When the bleach blonde, chiseled, and highly flamboyant Graham entered the WWE in 1975, he hit the wrestling world like an atomic bomb, wearing tie-dyed clothes, feather boas, and spouting Muhammad Ali-like poetry. I'm the man of the hour. I'm the man with the power. Too sweet to be sour. Graham instantly became the original man you love to hate. Then on April 30th, 1977, in Baltimore, Maryland, Graham reached the pinnacle of superstardom. Oh, took his foot down. Graham, what a cover, two, three, a cut, it's over. Graham, hitting San Martino, but from our vantage point, he had not one, but he had two feet on the rope. Superstar's controversial victory over Bruno San Martino started what would become the longest title run of any villain in WWE history, a record that still stands today. During his reign, Graham not only proved to be a great WWE champion, but a huge box office draw, selling out 19 of 20 Madison Square Garden shows that he headlined. The entire world now realized something that Billy Graham knew all along. He was indeed a superstar. I think what made superstar Billy Graham a star was the fact that he had charisma. But there aren't that many guys who have presence. It's something that uh, someone either has or they don't. And Billy Graham had that. He was a guy that when he walked down the aisle, you couldn't take your eyes off of. He was extraordinary. What his main asset was, was his ability to entertain you with the microphone. I eat T-bone steaks. I live barbell plates. I'm getting sweeter than a dripper chocolate cake. He was one of those wrestlers that made people want to come and see him. They would pay their money to come and see superstar Billy Graham because he put on a show. He broke new ground. He was a forerunner to sports entertainment. We all know that there have been countless number of guys that have tried to follow the lead, so to speak, of superstar Billy Graham. I believe today that, that if superstar had been given his lead, so to speak, the business would have changed dramatically a lot sooner than it actually did. He deserves to be in the WWE Hall of Fame. Billy Graham, feathered boa, big guns, exuding charisma, has found his place. And I'd like to think that Billy Graham finally has come home again. This is the Pro Wrestling Spotlight, presented by Hami Media and the Pro Wrestling Reflection, where we discuss the very best of the best in pro wrestling history. And what you gonna do when Hulkamania and the largest arms in the world revolve on you? The two soundest wrestlers in the World Wrestling Federation, maybe in the history of the World Wrestling Federation, are right here, right now. Mr. Perfect and the excellence of execution, the Hitman.
WrestleMania weekend isn't complete without the heartbreak kid, and he is on his way. He put hard times on Dusty Rhodes and his family. They think they got the answers. I change the question. You will rest in in Ric Flair, who you're looking at, the man. What is going on there, Reflection X? And as you can hear from the, let's say, low tone of this, it is kind of a somber PWR Reflection. It is kind of a somber Pro Wrestling Reflection Spotlight for this week. Because you know what? For the 12 that ride or die with us, for the Magnificent 788, the 99, the Terrific 10, for the Hamenites, for the Vitoites, for the Reflectionites, all the ites all over the world, on the last episode, which we record a couple of days before the weekend, but it, you know, usually the episodes pop up on a weekend via the PWC, via the Hami Media Group, and sometimes maybe even the, the PWS or YouTube fan page, but neither here nor there. But I did make a, you could say, a clerical error because I, when I ended the show, I said that we should send our love and prayers to superstar Billy Graham. I, have, I don't regret saying that, but it is a clerical error when it when it comes out in the weekend and days and the day before that, superstar Billy Graham passes away after a skull and skull infection that he was fighting for the last couple of months. So it was apropos to do it right. It was apropos to give superstar Billy Graham the kind of you know send off the kind the kind of homage that only we at the PWR Podcast can do so well. So, welcome or welcome to the Pro Wrestling Reflection Podcast here at the Hami Media Group at Podbeam.com. And, you know, again, I'm not trying to be jovial. I'm trying to be respectful on this. But I must introduce myself because I'm so vain like that. But I'm going to kind of like keep it an even kill. So I already know I'll be, you know, maybe one year or two years younger. But I am the most... I try to be the most jovial one. I am the most stupendous one. But most importantly, I am the most glorious one. The only objective man in this IWC, YWC, PWC punditry. Your friend of mine, the Professor Chabelle Cruz. And here, well, on my screen, it's to my right. It could be to your left, but it doesn't matter because we go. We don't know our lusts from our rights, especially in America, because China's the smartest about that. But neither here nor there. Yes, it is. It's very true. But neither here nor there. He is your friend of mine, Mr. Dum Dum Doing It It's Own, Dr. Frickenstein, the Iron Stomach One, Mr. Wonderful, Tommy Wonder, how you doing, my friend? 
I'm doing good, man. I, I don't have a boa or I put one on, so I put my pink sunglasses on to tribute the uh, superstar. Of course. So, you know, again, we are going to do what we do best, TW, with the spotlights. We are going to do what we do best in paying homage. I'll try to give out the logistics. This man has had a, you know, a very stellar career. But before we even talk about his stellar career and the matches I sent you and Reflection Nights, we're going to focus on where the, the superstar Billy Graham character really transcended, really was kind of crossover and really was the reason for people like the, the inspiration, you could say, T.W., right? The inspiration of his character. We could talk about it right now. Nature Boy Ric Flair was inspired by superstar Billy Graham. Just Not just Buddy Rogers. Not just Buddy Rogers, yeah, of course. But Ric Flair was inspired. Jesse the Body Ventura was inspired. The incredible, the immortal Hulk Hogan was inspired. Big Bad Booty Daddy himself, the Big Papa Pump, Scott Steiner, was in, was inspired. Even Triple H with his body and his physique, the TW, was inspired by Superstar Billy Graham. So let's start with that. This man probably does not get the street cred that he deserves. Because again, it's a I think, in my opinion, and of course you could agree with this, it's a generational thing. I mean, superstar Billy Graham was inspired by Gorgeous George, and that's to the 40s. That's to the 40s and 50s. So even today's IWC, YWC, PWC, PWC pundits probably don't even know who the hell Gorgeous George is unless you're a hardcore fanatic like you and I are. Right. So what say you, T.W., about the, you know, the, the character, the presentation of the superstar, of the superstar charis charismatic character that inspired so many, that inspired a generation. And even the, the little names that they even mentioned, other wrestlers, you know, are inspired not by his looks, but by his promos, his presentation and all that stuff. What say you, T.W., about the, the contribution? There's there's no doubt in hindsight. Like obviously, you and I didn't know who he was when we first started watching wrestling, and our introduction to him was when he came back as to what looked like to me as an old man when he was mm -hmm. bald and he had the goatee. He had like the Scott Steiner goatee with a different color, like Scott Steiner ended up having, mm -hmm. um, and he just looked like a a big old man. And so from doing this show and you sending me the matches, um. Hulk Hogan himself said he Billy Graham is the reason he wanted to be a professional wrestler. So how 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 awesome is that? There's no Billy Graham, there's no Hulk Hogan, there's no uh PWR podcast because Hulkamania is what made wrestling spread like wildfire for us to be wrestling fans lifelong. And so that means you got to go all the way back to give him. But the thing that blows me away is oh one other thing. Watching him in these matches, he wasn't like Hulk Hogan at all, other than the flash and the and the blonde hair. He was mm -hmm. more like, uh, I would say, I hate to use this guy as a reference, but body-wise, this is what I, I'm trying to say. He was more like a Van Hammer. He was a tall guy, but he wasn't mm -hmm. massive. He was just ripped to shit, whereas Hulk Hogan was massive and not necessarily ripped. Maybe okay. kind of more like the Warrior, but even smaller than the Warrior yet. And every single match you had me watch, the dude could work, both the crowd both the moves, the timing, everything. Billy Graham is underrated. If, if, if I could say that about him. But the thing that blows me away most, if I'm not mistaken, that mm -hmm. guy was only in the WWF for a total of like one year or two years. Whatever his reign was, he was there a little bit before it, for mm -hmm. it, and a little bit after. It's the reason 
when he tried to sue Vince McMahon for the steroid issues he was having, he lost because he wasn't there. He he wasn't there, but for like three months at a time, and then I think his reign was longer. Was was it a year? Yeah, he he held the belt as a heel for one year, beating Bruno San Martino in 1977 and losing it to Bob Backlund in 1978. So Vince McMahon Sr., Reflectionites, right. did give Billy Graham, and you could say, you know, in the tradition of Vince McMahon's uh, Sr. TW, Billy Graham kind of like stopped that train of, you know, going with the, the long reign of a babyface, you know, right. Bruno and Pedro, but... Billy Graham, you know, yeah, he the heels get, had it for days or weeks or or a month. He, right. was, he you know, I will say this reflection nice. Billy Graham was not a transitional heel ch- WWF right. WWF. I'll, I'll bet champion. they had plans on babyface run for that guy. And then for whatever reason, politics, money, religion, whatever the case may be, because I'm pretty sure every time he left, it wasn't under good circumstances. It wasn't, uh, the, the, you know, hey, I'm just taking off for a bit. It was, yeah, it was the, heat. There was a falling out between Billy Graham and Vince McMahon Sr. TW because Billy Graham wanted to be like Hulk Hogan. He thought he could. And, you know, I, I would say this. Let's do a little bit of a what if on that scenario before, we, again, we'll talk about the matches and all that stuff. You know, what if the the landscape of wrestling started in the 70s with Billy Graham? Because if you turn him into a full-fledged babyface because of the stylistic promos that he did because of the pomp and circumstances that he brings to, to an arena, to the television screen, TW. We didn't need Hulkamania. You had superstar Billy Graham mania. What say you about that kind of what if scenario? Well, here's the problem. Mm -hmm. Wrestling was very niche back then. The reason we have Hulk Hogan, a from now on was say is because Billy Graham inspired him in the first place and B because of his friendships with Mr. T and the A team and Hollywood with Stallone and all that stuff. If he doesn't get the outside eyeballs on him, it doesn't matter. He can be the most popular wrestler in the world. It's only going to be in that wrestling circles. It's Hogan broke out of the wrestling circle in order to bring people to it. And so if Billy Graham found a way to do that and really, I don't think Hollywood was all that in the 70s like it was in 80s is the decade of, of decadence, brother. It's it's success. And that's well, why it all works. It's why rock and wrestling work. It's why movies and wrestling work, because it was the right place, right time. So if Billy could have held out a little bit longer because he was around uh, in the 80s, just maybe after Bob Backlund, his, he lost it. 83. If, if maybe Billy Graham's the guy that comes and beats the Sheik like that instead of Hogan, then maybe. then you're talking. Maybe. But he'd have to be in the same time frame as Hogan, and he would have to get put on someone's TV show or movie to get the uh, the rub. The way you're saying it is the way I'll kind of like put a put a bow on it. The, he has the right presentation in the '70s, but it's the wrong time. right guy, wrong time. Yes, yeah, right so guy, wrong it, time. It, it, it's very apropos here, reflection night. So you know, let's cut the TW. Let's put the logistics out of out of the way. You know, superstar Billy Graham, that's not his government name. We all know <laughs> that. So, you know, so if I'm teaching you something new, Reflectionize, you're welcome because I am the professor. But Thank his government but his government name, TW, is Eldridge Wayne Coleman Jr. That's what a black is- man's name. That is not a white man's name. And he was born Eldridge. June- Eldridge Wayne Coleman Jr. He was born on June 7th, 1943. Phoenix with a working class family 
from Phoenix, Arizona, TW. And, you know, <laughs> you're already not mistaking him for a black man. Maybe maybe 23andMe, because he probably has, you know, 5% black in him. So, you know, it's, it's a funny thing, you know, with, with the, the wrestling name, because... You know, when I did my research on this TW, it, it was it was daunting that the name was inspired by the televangelist Billy Graham. Wow. So, you know, this man already knew the business, TW, in, in, in a sense. You know, he he started with Wayne Coleman, but he knew that that was not going to draw big money. So when he moves down to the Carolinas, when he moves down to Florida and works his way to California, all this stuff, you know, with the NWA syndicate, he finally chooses a name and he's inspired by the televangelist, Billy Graham Sr. So what say you about what year was that? I would say that would be late 60s, early 70s that he's uh, he's honing his craft, if you will. So when did Superstar or Jesus Christ Superstar come out? That's that's late 70s, right? I would think that's mid seventies, seventy five. Because I was thinking maybe he paired the two up, superstar Billy Graham. Mm-hmm. I can't believe he didn't get in trouble for stealing Billy Graham's name. I spent most of my life blaming Billy Graham the evangelist for stealing superstar Billy Graham's name for the record. Well, the inspiration not only for the tele reflection for, for from the televangelist Billy Graham, but also it made sense storyline wise, TW, because when he ventures to Florida. Because of the name Graham, he could kayfabe himself into a family lineage with Eddie Graham. He can kayfabe right. himself to uh, to Ed, to Mike Graham and and the Graham family that's that's controlling the Florida NWA territory. So he was a smart man. He was a smart businessman. So you know, trying to give all the logistics here. I'm gonna put a put it in a bold reflection. That's because again, the matches I gave him. To TW was all WWF related because that's where the, the career flourished, in my humble opinion. Yeah. So, TW, let, let me put a abbreviation on, on a one stint before he went to the WWF in 1977. He made a stopover in the American Wrestling Association. So, you know, it, it's kind Didn't of. Didn't even know it. Didn't even know yeah. it. He did that in 1974, 75 ish. But he already had a gimmick, T.W. The gimmick was, you know, he. this is how he started a program. He, Because he was a former, former bodybuilder and because he, you know who his former bodybuilding training partner was? Schwarzenegger. You got it. It was him? It was Arnold Schwarzenegger. He, oh, him right. and Billy Graham was, you know, was training buddies and all that stuff. But his wrestling gimmick since he was honing that craft, TW, in the AWA, and it's one of the, <clears throat> it's the major leagues of professional wrestling, so this was a perfect opportunity to try this out. He had arm wrestling promos. He would get, like, the, let's say, the Jake the Milkman Millimans to <laughs> try to beat him in an arm wrestling contest. But then, of course, you know, it has to take somebody like Dick the Bruiser or the Crusher to, to challenge Billy Graham to, to an arm wrestling contest. And then, of course, you know, you know, some chicanery, some fuckery would happen. And of course, that would lead to a program at the Minnesota Civic Center. So let's say UTW about Billy Graham, you know, using his bodybuilding attributes. It's a simple, it's so simplistic that it works that you can sell out a 10,000 seat arena at the Minnesota Civic Center just by off, by off uh, arm wrestling promo. Let's say UTW about that. Who also is from Minnesota was an arm wrestling guy? 
Who else? There's Ravishing a lot. Rick Rude. Ravishing uh-huh. Rick Rude. That was his job before wrestling was arm wrestling champion. But yeah, dude, M- Billy Graham looked like a million bucks. And that's why I use Van Hammer as a reference. Like a lot a lot of guys in wrestling that are that are big aren't like like one of the matches we watched was him versus Bob Backlund. Bob Backlund was a big boy, but he was a country boy. He had the belly with it, you know, and even Hogan had a belly with it to a point. Bruno had a belly with it. Pedro had a belly with it. Um, but those guys also weren't Billy Graham's height on top of it. And, uh, and so Billy Graham was like a million bucks. And I would guess, you know, I know if he grew up with humbling beginnings, then you spend a lot of time with your own imagination. It's how you learn to cut promos and, and talk because you do it with your toys or yourself or whatever in a mirror. And and so he might not have been as good a talker yet. So you sell the body first and then he gets more comfortable talking to talk. And obviously he stole from Muhammad Ali, but he changed uh-huh. things up and made it his own, uh, which is, by the way, to any aspiring young wrestler might be one of the 13, the Thirsty 13. Uh, that's the best way to do it is be like someone else and then turn it into you because you're going to cut, like how many of us could sit here and cut an Ultimate Warrior promo? No harm, no foul. But if someone said cut a promo about you, you can't, right? Uh-huh. So if you cut one that you already know because someone else did it and then just manipulate it, make it your own. P.S. That's how they do music too, by the way. Someone takes a song, changes a couple things and makes their version of a different song that no one would even know they stole from a different song. But but Billy Graham selling selling his look that obviously the guy dedicated his life to because he didn't look like... I, I told a girl the other day, I mean, I'm like, you don't eat carbs. Like, you can just tell. They're just... They're all about vegetables, water, and, and working out and staying in shape because if the one carb is going to be a lump inside of their stomach because it's just all muscle, all... all uh, six-pack abs but billy graham was was he's the guy that's gonna do it he he was jacked but it was not all natural we have of to be course. honest with that because in the 60s tw and in the 70s reflection ice steroids wasn't a taboo steroids was the norm of the bodybuilding world steroids was, was the norm yeah it was a discovery it was like finding the fountain of youth it was like that was actually the first epidemic you could say you know for for that you know, era, you could say, because, you know, before crack and all that stuff, you know, marijuana was the, you know, all that stuff. Ecstasy was the gateway drugs, but steroids was that drug that, you know, was that drug of choice reflection. I said people wanted results so quickly and it worked, but, you know, would, TW, would you sacrifice your PP for, you know, a buff body? Like well, that's, that? th- therein lies the rub when this, all this was going on right around the same time as when smoking became a huge thing. Nobody mm-hmm. knew the side effects. Now that you know the side effects, the answer is unequivocally no, I would not. But mm-hmm. if you don't know that's coming and you just take you, dude, you know how many things people put in their body that we're told are good vaccines. And then you find out later on they're not mm-hmm. because nobody knows yet because someone's got to be the guinea pig. And right. those dudes were the guinea pigs. Um, most of those guys in the 90s went from steroids to HGH, not because it was better or worse or healthier but because it was undetectable and then now i don't even think i still think it's undetectable for hgh the reason you get pot for steroids is your testosterone levels are higher that's not the case with hgh i don't think but what are the side effects of hgh you ever notice stone cold steve austin's elbow you ever notice tatanka's forehead it makes your bones grow that's Mm -hmm. the side that's once i saw that nope 
again. So pick your poison. Tatanka has an egghead. He's the he he's the egghead right now. Pro Magnum, dude. Look like Mm -hmm. the dudes on Super Dodgeball for Nintendo. It was brutal. (laughs) But Austin's elbow. Every time I see my dog lay down where the elbow's behind his arm, I'm like, that's Austin Stone Cold right there. Oh wow. It's dude. Pay attention to it. Watch it. It's like. This part of his arm goes past where the bend is and then comes back up. And part of that might have been an injury, but it's both of them. So mm-hmm. that's HGH, man. It keeps the bones growing. No, thank you. Uh, all right. So, you know, now let's try to focus in Reflection Nights on the WWF career because that is technically one of the most successful and most memorable runs of Superstar Billy Graham's uh, career. Of course, again, you know, logistically reflectionized before people will come slide into the DMs of the professor. But he did win the NWA Florida heavyweight title against Dusty Rhodes, professor. Yes, I know. But again, what was more big? Florida. That ain't yeah, worldwide. Right. Of course, because TW is the ultimate worldwide shill. He's the one. He's the WWF shill. But anyway. WWF. Yes. But let's talk about the opportunity, TW, for superstars Billy Graham's character and persona to be presented on Madison Square Garden television. And and actually, you know, as Bruno San Martino has the record for the wrestler selling out mostly on in the garden, superstar Billy Graham didn't do too, too shabby himself. He sold out the garden himself about 20 times himself as a heel and as a heel champion. So, you know, kudos to superstar Billy Graham. He was represented by the top manager, T.W., in WWF at the time, the Grand Wizard. So, you know, there wasn't Bobby Heaton in, in, in the WWF in the 70s, T.W. So when you're represented by the Grand Wizard, that says something. So, you know, what say you about the, the pairing, if you will, of the and Grand Wizard? And he was Wizard. up against the other manager, Arnold Scalin. No, well, Arnold Scalin, who was with both Bruno and Backlund. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll tell you what. So the first match I watched, you had uh-huh. you had me watch, and it it was weird because it was out of order, but you probably didn't realize that he won the title in April of '77. Yeah, but he was let's defending. actually let's actually focus on the first thing, April of 1977 from Baltimore, uh-huh. Maryland, TW. Yep, we are going to talk about superstar Billy Graham versus Bruno Sammartino. This is Bruno's second run, and he's already in a in the midst of a three year run. I'm sure that people within the East Coast, in my humble opinion, TW was thinking, I think Bruno might go for five years. I think Bruno might, you know, do it again, you know, not eclipse the eight year run break or his break record. his record, but at least be Thousand close days. to it. Right. So he's already up for three years. So, you know, to go to Baltimore, Maryland, the, the location is more what caught the professor's eyes because Mine too. he didn't. He didn't win it at Madison Square Garden where it would have been bigger and more epic. It felt like an afterthought. It felt like, you know, Tuesday Night Titans. It Saskatoon. Felt, it felt like Sunday Night Heat. It felt like that. Maybe, Saskatoon. Well, Bret Hart not, winning a belt on a Tuesday night in Saskatoon. Okay, I'll give you that. I'll give for you that. superstars. So you feel like I feel that it's yeah. kind of like out of the way. But I also feel one other way. What's That's that? Crockett country, man. Like mm-hmm. almost every great American bass or Starcade, if they're not in Carolina, they're in Baltimore, Maryland. Luger well, the ba- losing the, ba- the bashes were in. Uh, yeah, bashes. Luger having flair in the torture rack and losing because he was bleeding was mm-hmm. in Baltimore, Maryland. Uh, yeah. 
I think another Luger Flair match was in Baltimore. I, I believe Steamboat and Flair were in Baltimore, and one of their trilogies was there Chicago, probably Carolina, and then Baltimore. But Baltimore is a big time NWA territory. And so, and it's funny because it, Bruno's still over like gangbusters there uh-huh. because there's something that happens at the end of the match that caught me by surprise. Like, whoa. What caught you by surprise? The way he won it? No, no, no. The way he won it was beautiful. And and, oh, okay. and he and he made Bruno look like a million bucks because he got his ass kicked the whole match. Before anything, TW, let's talk about the clash of styles because Bruno, you know, he's not as technically sound as people like to believe. He's like, oh, punch, kick, scratch. Back punch, out. kick, and scratch. But the people feel it. The people are invested. He's a scrapper. Yeah. Right. So let's say you about, you know, the, the because I will say this. Billy Graham is a great maybe worker. I don't know if you want to say that, or he just adapts to the style that he's presented in front of him. Let's say ETW about the I class. disagree. I disagree. Other okay. than actually the first match wasn't the guy that I was going to say. It was actually Ivan Putsky. He has the exact same match, not verbatim, but mm-hmm. style Okay. against Putsky, against Backlund, and against Bruno. And what that style is, he spends a lot of time with them in the bear hug, making you feel bad for the baby face and then mm-hmm. they reverse it and they got him in the bear hug to make you know everyone go banana because he's getting his comeuppance or whatever okay. um i, I watched putsky tell him what to do so putsky is kind of ring generaling the thing in there so did the other guy who i haven't mentioned yet we have but i haven't mentioned this match because this is the one i want to talk about um uh, Bruno, they just looked like they were just shoot fighting to me in there, but they did the same stuff, bear hug, bear hug, and then him and Bob Backlund. But it was the same synopsis for all three matches. Billy's kicking their ass, puts him in a bear hug, they come back, put him in a bear hug. But, like you were saying, Billy did shit like hip tosses, and I mean, but Bruno gave him an arm drag. I was pretty impressed mm-hmm. by that. Um, but, but Bruno, make no mistake, was a thumper. He was a kicker, puncher, I gouge, and you got to remember back then a body slam ended a match, so mm-hmm. there wasn't a lot of that anyway. Well, a body slam is a power bomb. A body slam right. is, is a hula and karana. It is a big spot move. We right. get that. A suplex was even bigger because you're lifting the guy over your head and then falling the other way. But a body slam back then mm-hmm. that was that. So right. I do like how this match ends. He sweeps his leg out while Bruno's beating the shit out of him in the corner and then puts both feet on the ropes. And then Vince goes, he didn't have one foot on there. He had them both on there. Like, it was okay if he just had one. But And then it almost looked like the Montreal screw job. Bruno literally looked around like, the fuck just happened? And it made me wonder, like, is this where the heat with Bruno started? Like, maybe he didn't know he was losing the belt that night. Mm-hmm. But I'm sure he did because uh, he stuck around for years longer after that before being a commentator even but mm-hmm. it, it, but the crowd the the way it, it's so simple back then for, first of all the ring is almost like a boxing ring in that nobody's coming off the top rope because you ain't standing on those ropes the second you climb them you're sinking down because they're not tight like a wrestling I, ring. I think day. back back in the seventies, both boxing and wrestling use the same ring. Use the same ring, so that's why they're so big for mm-hmm. WWE because Madison Square Garden was where all the boxing fights are. But when the people started using specific wrestling rings, they're sixteen by sixteen, eighteen by eighteen. Mm-hmm. WWE is twenty by twenty. That's what a boxing ring is, so that, that you got room to fight, right? right. So. But uh, the fans started throwing fucking beer bottles in the ring when Bruno lost. 
and, mm-hmm. and Billy Graham got the fuck out of there. He the referees like, here's your belt. Guy goes, he won by pinfall, and they're like, what? Everyone's and then there's fans running up to the ropes, going. He pulled on the ropes, and these ropes are just shaking like the Warriors shaking them with no one. It's just in the momentum of walking. And the security's like, get back, get back, get back. And Bruno's just standing there. And the two beer cans I saw flying there almost hit Bruno. And I'm like, well, how, how funny would that be? You're mad at Bruno lost, and then you clock him with a beer can on accident. But it was Baltimore. So all I thought was, if this was New York, that's it's probably why it happened in Baltimore. Because if it was New York, there would have been yeah, riots. The, the, the Italian community in, the, in Madison Square Garden would have actually called the mafia. Yep. And actually put a hit out on superstar Billy Graham. In my humble, and I'm not joking. Because I'm he's joking. cheating. Right. Like, if he beat him fair and square, they'd be like, put the hit on Bruno. But because he cheated, they're like, we got to take him out. We talk about the Lucchese family. We talk about right. Gotti. We talk about the, we talk about pillars of the mafia, you know, Dons out there. Who probably bet on Bruno. <laughs> well, that's that, that'd be stupid. But again, we did not know about the kayfabe of, of right. you know, predeterminations of, of everything. But that's actually a good point, TW, because again, Baltimore is such a such a weird location to do it, but the but the logistics actually make all the sense because you're right because Madison Square Garden they would have, I think that ring would have been totally you know with beer and hot dogs and shit like that in the ring and and Bruno had to probably run out just to be like I don't want to get hit with shit so right. and Billy Graham probably wouldn't need it well. I would say this: Billy Graham needed police escorts even in Baltimore just to get out of the ring because you know people were were so invested, T.W. that Bruno lost after three years. So you know, that's monumental. So right. in reflection, as I'll say this because you know you and I, you know, we kind of agree that Cody Rhodes shouldn't have won the title at WrestleMania. Right. But I'll say I would have been okay if he did, but I understand. Yeah. He, but we understand why. Right. You know, for Cody Rose, the story has chapters. But anyway, neither here nor there. But we are entering, and I just want to say this as a quick diatribe. You know, I don't like to talk about the present too much, but I'll do this. But for Roman Reigns, reaching three years coming this August, for Roman Reigns that to maybe eclipse Hulk Hogan's record that we never thought that was going to happen. He's already, he's going to break Pedro's record. He's going to get a thousand days, TW. But anyway, you know, there's no the, the rules of a legacy. Hogan's four right? years, right? Four years, yes. He's but not the rules, but the rules of a legacy run is so different for the mark cards out there because they don't understand. They want they also Roman think Re- nine people can be champion at one time. Not only that, I'll just say this: they want Roman Reigns to lose to somebody. I'm not gonna use Cody Rhodes, but they I almost think they Damn expect it. A legacy run, and then Cody beats him, and then Cody will have a legacy run. It doesn't work like that. No. Sometimes these legacy runs, Reflectionites, go back. Bruno lost to Ivan Koloff transitional. Bruno lost to, to Superstar. No one expects it. Pe- Pedro lost to fucking, uh, I believe it was Stan Stasiak. No one's expecting that. That's the thing. That's the beauty of a legacy run. Those runs, it's not about setting up somebody to be the next big thing. Right. It's setting up a program to sometimes to build to the guy behind the guy. I'm just saying, I just wanted to put that diatribe out there. So for the Mark Tards of today, in 2020 threats, listen to the professor, the rules of a legacy run, and for the person to beat that person does not apply in 2020 threats rules. Look at your history. This is why the PWR is what it is. We show we got the receipts, TW. So Bruno is a great example. But then again, 
neither here nor there. But like I said, TW, Billy Graham was not really a transitional champion because he got a year run. He got a year. He defended it. He defended it. He sold out Madison Square Garden a bunch of times. So TW, one of his greatest programs as the heavyweight, as the WWF heavyweight champion, resulted in multiple sellouts of Madison Square Garden because somebody from the NWA came in. Somebody from the Carolinas came in, daddy. Somebody from Florida came in, daddy. And that is the American dream, Dusty Rhodes. And, you know, and Dusty Rhodes, again, pomp and circus, he's inspired by Gorgeous George. I'm not going to say that Dusty Rhodes' character was inspired by Billy Graham, but he was inspired by the the pomp and circumstances, the flashy showmanship, and he honed his own character. And And in his defense, him and Billy Graham around at the same time, so more than likely he's not trying to be his contemporary. It's more mm-hmm. gorgeous, George. It's funny you say that because that's the match I was waiting to talk about. Mm-hmm. He does a lot of gorgeous George things in this match, like the gyrations and mm-hmm. very effeminate, but the crowd eats it up. It's like he was smart enough to know, like we all know Dusty's got a great mind for wrestling. He was smart enough to know that even though gorgeous George was a heel, that if he would have been a babyface, the stuff people booed is the stuff people eat up when you're the babyface. And right. he did it. And I couldn't believe how over he was in Madison Square Garden because I didn't know he ever even worked there. When I, I'm like, what the fuck? Now it makes sense. Why Cody said the one his dad never got to win. Remember, Vince McMahon Sr. was a board member of the NWA Syndicate. He was a controlling uh, board member. His vote count and the respect that he garnered from the NWA syndicate, you know, resulted in like Jack Briscoe becoming the heavyweight champion, Terry Funk becoming the heavyweight champion. His vote counted, even though that the NWA champion did not perform regularly at Master Square Garden. But neither, but Vince McMahon Sr. respected the NWA so much he that he still was on him. the board after the WWE split from there. Yeah. Oh, I did not know that. I thought him and Vern both left and started their own shit and were never part. No, they started their they started their own shit. You're right, but Vince McMahon's uh, the respect was so great for Vince McMahon Senior that they kept him on the board, so his nice. his his vote counted to you know for the new NWA Heavyweight Champion. But what say you, TW, about this match from October of 1977? The you know twenty thousand people at Madison Square Garden was hoping. For the American Dream, Dusty Rose to become champion. Again, we know that if we had the dirt sheets and we know logistically, we would like, well, Dusty Rose is coming from a different territory. Dusty Rose is coming from Florida or the Carolinas or whatever the case may be. So he's going to go back to the NWA. He can't take the WWF title to Florida. He can't take it to the other territories because Vince McMahon Sr. has got to keep the prestige on it. Yeah, but but that match. There to stay. No, no, but that match. The fans were so invested, they were hoping, they were praying that the American Dream, Dusty Rhodes, would take that, take the torch from Billy Graham. So what's say about the whole match itself? Because you kind of it's, honed it's on, the best on of both things. worlds. It's the best of both worlds because Dusty is over, which is always good, right? Mm-hmm. When you got a baby challenging for a title. But I think no matter who he wrestled, that crowd was going to cheer for him because they hated Billy Graham. And the beauty of that title match being in Baltimore means he was alive to be hated by that crowd, right? So they had time to settle down and not want to murder him when he came to town. So when he came to town, he just became the guy they liked booing. And I, I would gather that they probably, it, it's a love to hate, not hate, hate. 
And and but Dusty was over. Billy Graham had heat. The finish was kind of weird, and the crowd was kind of flat for it. Um, mm-hmm. Whereas and versus Billy Dusty, won. Huh? Billy won that. I think. Yeah, Billy but it won was like way. a double knockout. He put his arm on him, and mm-hmm. after the three count, Dusty rolled up, and started whooping his ass like he thought the match was still going on. Mm-hmm. And then the referee's like, "No, no, no, you got pinned." And then the crowd booed, but everyone saw that he got pinned. So it wasn't like. He was the only one confused, right? Do but you, the match wait, wait, you had me watch first. Go wait, ahead. wait. Forget about the, the Pusky match yet. Let's just focus on Dusty right now. Do you think that Vince McMahon Sr. actually booked this match like a Southern wrestling territory match because of Billy Graham being the heel champion? Was he taking from the other territories to inject in Madison Square Garden and the crowd is just not used to it because they're just used to the heroes Right. Winning the title, what's the he was cheating, and and this was like, it's almost like a draw, except for Billy Graham got lucky mm-hmm. and his arm landed on Dusty Rhodes, right? So right. It, it's it protects both people, and then Dusty getting up and beating him up afterwards means he wasn't really beaten; he just didn't know his arm was on him. Was is what mm-hmm. I would believe the logic was. So it's a Dusty finish in that sense that it wasn't clean and clear cut. Billy Graham, which, which also Rhodes. resulted in another. Yeah, and a rematch and another because it almost comes off as if the babyface beat the heel that way and then he'll beat him up afterwards because he was mad that he lost. That's how it looks, and the mm-hmm. crowd is just silent. But with Putsky, Putsky and him are going back and forth, and he does a backdrop over the top rope, which I mm-hmm. believe was a disqualification back then, but he didn't get squal- disqualified. Nope, not not in WWF. And it then is. it was the fastest ten count in the history of ten counts. And the crowd was mad. They booed. And that was also at Madison Square Garden, I think. Everyone went crazy because Putsky lost because he was over there. Um, mm-hmm. And and he was champion. Uh, Billy Graham it says still champion by count out. And people were mad as hell. He had to get escorted out of there. And then the match with uh, Backlund. Backlund was the champion when we watched that. And it was the weirdest stretcher match i've ever seen in my life because all you had to do was well, get you're you're, you're you're going i know you're ping ping you're ping pinging ping pinging i'm trying to you know we have a we have this word because you you're doing an AEW type of pwr right now no structure i gotta get the structure hey, they're, the they're threatening to sue your boy cm punk no nah, he'll he'll beat it it's they all took a work. Him off the video game cover it's a work don't worry about it it's all a work just for him to get back on collision but anyway neither here nor there Punk will be okay. Reflection nice. Don't worry about that. But anyway, let's put a bow on Dusty Rhodes and let's put a bow on, on this match because I just want to say this. To me, it felt like an NWA heavyweight title match and the rules and, and the traditions of it. Vince McMahon Sr. took from it because he was the booker. He was the, you know, Vince McMahon Jr. wasn't booking, but he was commentating. So, you know, and again, TW, you know, for all the matches, you heard Vince McMahon Jr as the lead commentator and the solo commentator because he kind of worked alone. He didn't do, you know, he didn't have like a that, you know, he didn't have that play-by-play analyst on his side. So what say you about the commentary styles of Vince McMahon Jr.? Because, you know, Vince McMahon Sr. gambled on his on his uh, adopted son. He's adopted? Yeah. It's not, that's, that's not his natural biological father. Not know that. They have the same hairline, dude. It don't matter. Jesus Rick Christ. Flair's adopted. I think you're mixing up Rick Flair and Vince McMahon. Vince McMahon is not adopted. Mm-hmm. No, he's not. There's no way. Anyway, George DiCarlo, is that the guy's name? Or no, 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 no. Oh, man, who's the guy that used to do Global? Global 
I don't know he that did, name. He did like the in-ring interviews, and he also did. He kind of looked like Gilligan a little bit. That's who I thought Vince was the whole time. And so finally, I caught it, and I'm like, "Damn, that is Vince." Because I didn't know Vince was back there in the '70s, but I also thought that dude from Global was too young to be back there in the '70s and stuff. But then I just thought, "Holy hell, that is Vince." I'm gonna figure out who that guy is. But the the guy. He did Global and he did Texas. Not Lance Russell or any of them guys. It's a young guy who looked like Craig DeGeorge, but it wasn't Craig DeGeorge. Um, But Vince was awesome. And half the time, the person he was with, when he asked the question and the person answered, they sounded the same as Vince. So I'm like, is he talking to himself? I didn't know who the other guy was. Uh Well, you know, Vince McMahon's styling is kind of – kind of re- reminded me of a boxing announcer yeah. you know going with the crowd and then he's trying to talk with the crowd he, he's like watching the the fight itself drinking a beer and talking to his boys but you're just hearing Vince's voice you're not hearing his friends so he just you know he's naming the moves and 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 just letting the crowd like scream or boo and all that stuff reflection it's kind of weird if you see a 70s wrestling match in comparison to eighties, because of course there was more structure with Vince McMahon because he really was micromanaging a lot of things, but it worked in the eighties, but in the seventies, he was free flowing and Vince McMahon senior just let him have that, have the ball. So now TW let's focus on the match that you liked. You kept talking about three times already. Let's put some structure into it. Ivan Putsky got a chance at this, at the heavyweight title. In Madison Square Garden, and Ivan Putsky is kind of a another daunting character too, because you know it could have been another what if. Maybe Vince McMahon uh, Senior might have saw dollar signs with Ivan Putsky being the champion and selling out the Garden, but the economics was there for Billy Graham to still sell out the Garden. He was still drawing a little bit of money, so I think that because of Putsky's short stature, maybe that. I don't know if Pedro was bigger than Pusky and Bruno was bigger than Pusky too. So maybe, maybe because he was stocky, I'm not going to say he's short. He was too stocky for that presentation to be in the heavyweight champion, but he did get the opportunity to challenge for the heavyweight title. And I think this was a quicker match, but, but these were two guys, you know, you could tell they both took steroids. They were both jacked. And it, it kind of like it was two mastodons fighting each other, TW. So what say you about that presentation? So back then, it wasn't there wasn't a lot of giants. So you could have little dudes like that. But the number one priority back then was ethnicity. They wanted a Polish guy for the Polish mm-hmm. parts of New York. They wanted an Italian guy, Bruno. They wanted the Pedro to be the Puerto Rican guy. Uh, Hogan, when they first brought him in, they wanted him to shave his head and dye his, or not shave it, but cut it short and yeah. dye it orange because they wanted him to be their Irish guy. And he was like, absolutely not, because the name Hogan is Irish, apparently. I, I could be German, too. But he basically uh, said no, which, thank God, right? He would have he been Seamus before Seamus. But uh, mm-hmm. but that's that was the important thing. Plus, he could work. So the, the only flaw I have for him is, I dare you to put on some knee pads, bud. I understand you got massive legs, but they make knee pads for you. Mm-hmm. Dr. Darcy Williams wore knee pads. You got no excuse. Right. So what what say you about the match and him coming up short against Billy Graham? I, again. No pun intended. What? No pun intended. No pun intended. He came up short. Of course. I, I'm, I'm just. Uh, <laughs> my observation is just right there. So what say you, TW? Let's put a bow on this match, too. This guy. Mark Lorenz. 
Mm-hmm. That's who I thought Vince was when he was talking. Oh, okay. That's I don't remember him in global. Maybe just. Oh yeah, he's global. Company. He's global. Oh, okay. he was their main guy. He was. Well, I remember no when it was USWA. I remember him there for USWA for a cup of coffee. But then I don't. I don't remember him for global. Maybe he did a week or two, but. He didn't last that long in the Joe Pettacino group. But let's not talk. We're not talking about Mark Lorenz. We're talking about superstar Billy Graham here. This yeah. is his spotlight. No, we were talking about Vince McMahon, but now we're back to talking about Billy. Yes. Let's get back into this match here to, with uh, Ivan Pusky. Because, again, Ivan Pusky, too stocky to me. But Billy Graham, the He's right like Taz. Ivan Pusky was Taz. Mm-hmm. Except for Taz was Taz when there's dudes like Mike Awesome running around. Pusky was around when Pedro and Bruno were the guys that were taller than him, which is okay. But it was it, it. But even though he was short and stocky, this match still felt even because they were yeah. both jacked to the moon. So you know the and, way and Billy was slim. He was like Van Hammer, like I said. He, he, he mm-hmm. didn't like Ferrigno. Can we use another name than Van Hammer? Because I don't think I know Van it's Hammer. terrible. But that's what his body reminded me of was Van Hammer. There has to be somebody else. Well, I would use Tess, but then Tess is Tito. Not better. No, Tito's not a good one. Tito's, Tito's not it. Tito's Plus, not Tito was around with him. <laughs> yeah. Um, but neither here nor there. Yeah, okay. We, well, TW will think about it. While Kenny we're, Omega. We, Kenny Omega? Shit, okay. I, I don't know how tall Kenny Omega is, but it's a similar build. He's got to be at least 5'11 to 6 feet the top. Oh, then he ain't no Billy Graham. Then. Kenny uh, Omega is not that tall. Uh, maybe maybe 6'2 the most. I'll give him that, but I don't think he's that tall. But again, neither here nor there. But let's go, let's go into the let's go into the last match reflection I said I gave TW to watch. It was actually a rematch because in 1978, of course, Vince McMahon Sr. went back to the tradition. He found a golden boy. He wanted to represent, you know, the white collar people of New York. And that cough, his cough, name, cough, cough. you know, his name was Opie Cunningham, Bob <laughs> Backlund. So Bob Backlund in 1978 got the torch. Wasn't he the All American Bob Backlund or something like that? No, he was the All American boy, Bob Backlund. But okay, yeah, yeah. So with that being said, in 1978, Bob Backlund defeats Billy Graham, I believe, in Madison Square Garden with the atomic drop because I remember that was his uh, finishing maneuver, and the fans went crazy about that. See, now that's a definitive finish. That's a New York finish. Like Mm -hmm. it's 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 not debatable. He won. There's no check the replay. He won clean. But Billy Graham, there's two two problems here for Billy Graham's career because it starts to to kick in in 1978 TW. So I'm going to try to put a bow in this logistically wise. Again, Billy Graham thought that his trajectory was halted by Vince McMahon Sr. because Billy Graham felt like if he was the champion, but he had the Bruno run being the top babyface to go against, you know, the Stan Hansons and the Killer Kowalskis and all that stuff, the the top heels that the WWF could offer. Anybody managed by Captain Lou Albano, anybody managed by Grand Wizard going after Billy Graham would have been money. That's where he thought he was going. But, of course, Vince McMahon Sr. saw it differently. And, again, Bob Backlund, he saw money in the All-American boy. So there was the falling out there. He didn't want to lose, but, of course, you got to do what you're told by the booker. So now I'll give you this last match, TW, to watch, to watch. And it was a rematch. It was the Sicilian stretcher match. I don't know why it's Sicilian. Yeah, which one of these two is Sicilian? One of them's got a black name. The other one's Opie. 
Yeah. Oh, I don't. I, if Opie is Sicilian, then I am. A, I am a Chinese. But that's neither here nor there. By injection. Well, by vaccine. Okay. But whoa, whoa. Yeah. Of course. But anyway, he didn't, didn't even deny the injection part. Yeah. Of course. You know. That's by a dude. Like you've been no. with a Chinese dude. <laughs> no, it's technology. But anyway, neither here nor there. Let's talk about the the Sicilian stretcher match again. The the funny thing about this is. The gimmick match of a stretcher match, you know, it's not uncommon, but I think it was more, let's say, celebrated in the 90s. It was more celebrated in the 2000s for that gimmick-oriented match. But when you do a stretcher match in the 70s, this is re- this is like, this is a real payoff. Besides the steel cage match, you're doing a gimmick match with oh, a stretcher the way, match. Dusty's match was a Texas death match, which just meant no holds were barred, is what they said. Right. Mm-hmm. But when you do, but when you're doing a stretcher match like that, when you're doing a Texas death death match or a Texas bull rope match, I forget. Well, he didn't do a bull rope match, but you know where I'm going with this. Yeah. When you, when you're doing a gimmick match in the '70s, it's one payoff before the the cage match. So when right. you get a stretcher match here, this is a big effing deal. So let's say you tell me about the <laughs> Sicilian stretcher. I, I guess Billy Graham has got to be Sicilian because you know he was too tan for it. Right. But the the weirdest thing is. They had two of the worst effing stretchers of all time. They were the kind that folded up like a hammock. So there mm-hmm. was like, in WWE, you got that orange one that come out of the back of the ambulance, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, or it's laying on the ring on the thing already, and you just got to put them on it like a casket. In this match, you had to get them on it, and then they had to scoop them out of the ring. But if he got off of it before they got him out of the ring, he won. But if they got him out of the ring, and and in true babyface form, every time... Billy called for the thing to come in. Bob back was like, get that thing away from me. He never even sniffed that thing, right? It was kicking it away or whatever. Whereas Billy in true heel form was on it, got off it, on it, got off it. And finally, you know, obviously he didn't win the belt back from Bob Backlund. He got carted out of there. But the second he cleared the bottom rope, ding, 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 ding. And I think they did that in case those jabronis dropped him because then it would look like he got off of it, right? So, um, but it's like, what the hell? Like that, that was the weirdest struggle for a finish i've ever seen because again these ropes are just kind of hanging there so mm-hmm. well, the, bo- the bottom rope was more closer to the floor right in the 70s than so it was hard or- to get the dude out of the damn thing what's mm-hmm. the thing on it like yeah. you're trying you're like someone's got to hold the rope out of the way like elizabeth did for macho man and it was just like man this is a weird weird finish you know whatever and much like a casket match it's like definitive like it you lose a casket match, you don't come back and have a cage match next month. Unless uh-huh. the babyface lost because 17 members of the bloodline helped him get thrown in the casket, right? But otherwise, the first one, the Undertaker lost. He was gone for six months. The first one, Kamala lost. He's gone for three months. So when you lost a casket match, you disappeared. You didn't uh-huh. come back on next week and go, all right, well, let's now let's do a cage match. You were just well- done. With, with this match, with this gimmick match reflection, I, I don't know if this was his last appearance in WWWF, TW. So maybe you're right. Maybe he was just gone because this was a great way to write him off yeah. because he had his falling out with Vince McMahon Sr. But, you know, with that being said, reflection, I have to acknowledge the Billy Graham character in the 80s because he really was warped in what he thought would, would sell. Because he did th- when he came back in the WWF and he did this in, I think, Mid-South, maybe the AEW, I'm not too sure. But I know it was WWF the second time in the 80s 
and Mid-South because he, he fought back and then again. He had an opportunity in the 80s to, to challenge for the title. He lost. He came. But his gear, because he was 20 pounds slimmer, the steroids was off of him, TW, but he had a karate gi on. Everybody was kung fu fighting. <laughs> so he shaved his head, had had the not a Hitler mustache, but you get what I'm saying. He he kind of he had a mustache and he just changed his look. So I would say this as a fan, and for, for the hardcore fans, I know the face I would make if I see Billy Graham a second time in a in a karate kid dojo gear. He's hiding his body. Right, but but when you remember him with the flowing blonde hair, when you remember the big girth, the 24-inch pythons, the tie-dye and all that stuff, and then you come back with the karate gi, I understand that, you know, like you say, TW, sometimes you have to save the wrestler from himself because sometimes they think what's money, you might need a Vince McMahon Jr. to say, no, that's not going to work. That's not going to sell out. Listen here, Steve Blackman. What say, what say UTW about his decision of going in that direction? I don't even remember that. Oh, he did it. No, no, no. And he and Wait, wait, wait. Hold on. And he was doing nunchuck us promos. I, I, that's what I'm saying. I remember like maybe a vignette or two. But when he came back in like 87 when he teamed with Hogan, it was Hogan in all heels. Was, was the Hogan Survivor Series team. John Morocco, Ken Patera, superstar Billy Graham. As a matter of fact, I think Billy Graham either replaced Ken Patera or Ken Patera replaced Billy no, Graham. Morocco replaced uh, Billy Graham because Billy but, Graham was injured. Yeah, but Billy Graham wore all the tie-dyed stuff. He yeah, wasn't... He, he, he's smartened up, but I yeah, just want yeah. to talk about the, the Karate Kid dojo gear because... But didn't he seem like an old man? He reminded... Ironically enough, this is a black man. He reminded me of my favorite teacher in middle school, Mr. Jones. He he looked exactly like him, but lighter. And that's... that. But the, the beard, the bald head, um, and his persona, that's how my... Middle school teacher Mr. Jones was uh, to a T, and and I was I, I, I'm pretty sure when I saw him, and then if I saw old Billy Graham footage, I didn't know it was the same person. So I can yeah. really understand if you didn't know the guy in the gi with just a mustache was was the same guy. Well, like I said, I, I think hardcore fans were like dumbfounded that he would venture in that in that direction. Again, yeah. when you when you are when you have that persona. With the flowing hair and the tie dye and and the big muscles, probably why Hogan kept his around so long. Like he probably hated that he was thinning and going bald. I I will say this. I will say this. Maybe he thought because Jesse the Body was around. Maybe because of the incredible Hulk Hogan persona being around, he had to change the look. So I I go with you, TW. Maybe he thought those two guys are big and stronger. I have to change my look to like you know be different than them. And then I don't want to be like pigeonholed as the as the big uh, muscle bound guy. Would you agree with that assessment? Nope. I would nope. say he saw both of them with their hair and went, "Holy shit, they're going bald. I'm shaving mine." Because that's <laughs> what I did. I would watch videos of me wrestling and Taylor, and in person, like looking in a mirror and wrestling, I did not look like I was balding like I did on the video because mm-hmm. of the big hot white light above me. So my hair was thin. So in videos you'd look, it literally looked like I had no hair on the top of my head because of the reflection 
of the light off of the thinness in my hair. So mm-hmm. once I kept, I'm like, is that what the hell my hair looks like to people? And they're like, not really, but yeah. And I'm like, fuck this. So I shaved my head. I think Billy Graham saw the writing on the wall with those guys and was like, yep, I'm not going to look like that. That's the bozo, the clown look. But as far as the ghee, trust me, he wanted to be the muscle man. Nobody doesn't mm-hmm. want to be the muscle man. But he covered his body up because when you do shrink down from that, that's the first thing you do. Hogan started wearing pants uh, because when he went off the gas, he got smaller. And what's the number one joke among people that work out? Hey, man, did you skip leg day? So that's going to be the first thing to shrink is your legs. So that's what you do. It's why I wrestled in shirts and and basketball shorts. Not to hide my body because I wasn't obese. I wanted to look bigger because I was only 200 pounds and everyone else was 240, 250. And I was trying my hardest to get up there, but I couldn't. And so I, I just so, it, so in essence, so in essence, yeah. it's, a, it's a big mental fuck. Oh, so absolutely, one hundred percent. I'll go with that. So, with that being said, he knew he knew that the Karate Kid Billy Graham was not gonna get over. He knew right. that the Karate Kid Billy Graham was was gonna be nothing more than a mercenary for like Paul Jones's army, which he was. But again, neither here nor there in the NWA. But he comes back, he gets a lot of steroids in him. And then he gets the 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 tie dye back. He get he puts on about twenty pounds. And you oh, talked about big, it here. Yeah. You talked about it for eighty seven. But he did he did the NWA in eighty six. He got but he got what he wanted. He wanted to be a baby face. He wanted his image to be in in. He wanted the superstar persona in a baby face, full fledged baby face form. But the problem TW is it's ten years too late. He's older. He's hundred more brittle and the steroids is hurting his body internally so with that being said in the wwf with his let's say third incarnation of of being in there under vince mcmahon jr his hip gives out but then they they storylined it that he got hurt by uh slick and his crew but again he couldn't do anything anymore because because of years of steroid abuse tw he had no choice so what say you tw about you know, the, 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 the steroid, you know, I guess, you know, paying the price, you do the, the deal receipt. with the devil, the receipt, the receipt. you know, yeah, he, he's, I, I'm pretty sure back in 87, uh, I either read it in the magazines or they talked about it on TV. They might even show that dude having surgery. Cause I can almost picture it. Uh-huh. He was the first person I ever heard of having a hip replacement surgery. And me as a kid going, what the fuck, how do you replace someone's hip? Cause I'm picturing half the ass cheek and the thigh like he's getting that replaced not the bone and the joint and all that and then they showed the surgery of going in there and the ball and joint and all that which by the way it's remarkable now back then billy graham god rest his soul he got a hip replacement in 87 that's 35 years ago he's probably had two more since then because they don't last long Mm -hmm. um now they use titanium. You get that sucker when you're 50 years old, you'll have it till you're 80, 90 years old. And then okay. I had a, a customer, I was doing the service call. Guy was, uh, I believe he was 55 years old. And his doctor told him, don't do it. He goes, because you're young enough that you're going to get it again. And so now when I met him, he was 70 and he was getting it, but he waited 15 years. And I said, that's a good doctor because that doctor could have got paid twice off of you. And, but he told you don't do it. 
put it off. You get it done at 70, you'll probably die before you need a new one. But he said, when you get it the second time, the the, the rehab and it, first of all, surgery is harder on you. The rehab's longer and the pain is more because you're older and you're not fighting. So Billy Graham, 87, he would have been 40. Got that hip replacement. Yeah, For, well, 87, 44. Uh, he yeah. got that hip replacement. Actually, it was more 88, because 87 was WrestleMania 3. Uh-huh. I don't know. But anyway, that's that's a big surgery, and it's and it's fairly new in the 80s. And I, I think he came back. But he's so much so that, ironically, we talk about him again now. When Scott Steiner got his hip replacement surgery, I thought, he's done. That dude came back and was doing Frankensteiner still with a new hip. But that shows you the difference in in modern medicine. You get one in the '80s, you're getting a rocker and a and a stick. You do mm-hmm. it in the '90s, you're coming back and doing hurricanes. Well, even with the the hip replacement, it didn't last that long. Again, he had hip problems because he tried to, you know, still do the Billy Graham stuff in the ring. And again, ten years older, ten years slower, it just didn't work. Reflectionites. But Miss McMahon Jr. was trying to, you know be a good businessman and he felt kind of sorry for him. So, you know, there was a time where he was trying to venture him into the color commentary role. And I remember him very well in SummerSlam 88. I would say it was very monotone, not monotone, but Billy Graham was, he, his timing was off because in a promo TW, you know, all you, you got two minutes. And Billy Graham knows that, and he can say his lines, he can say his catchphrases and all that, and then go to the locker room, and then everybody remembers Billy Graham cut a hell, hell of a promo. But when, you, when you're on the TV for three hours trying to talk about match for match and move for move, Billy Graham was a lost puppy. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not trying to say I hated him, but again, there was flaws in Billy Graham being a color commentator. What say you, TW, about well, here, you know, here's the problem. With here's that? the problem. Whether they admit it or they don't admit it. I would say there's a difference between Bobby Heenan and Jesse Ventura in that Bobby was funny, right? Mm -hmm. But he wasn't putting himself over. Jesse was funny and was putting himself over. But Bobby was more of a manager doing commentating, even though he used to be a wrestler. But he's not a big badass, right? Mm -hmm. Everyone that has done colored commentary after they're done wrestling with Vince, with Gorilla, with Tony, with Michael Cole, whether they want to admit it or not, up until 2000, right? Everything else, forget about it. It's different. now. Everyone post-Jesse Ventura until about 2000 had to fill that guy's shoes. And half of them were cocky, like, I can do that. And the other half were trembling. I would gather Billy Graham was trembling. Like, mm-hmm. Like, damn it, this guy stole my shit. Now I'm following his foot. I got to be better than him. Like, he probably thought he could be, but he wasn't cocky about it. And then when he went out there and did it, he's like, and, and you're forgetting, you got Vince McMahon in your ear on top of it. He can't just put himself over, especially if he has no plans on getting in a ring. You got to put someone else over. That's why Jesse put over heels. That's why Bobby put over heels, so that people would hate Jesse, but also hate those heels like they're supposed to. Billy Graham was just out there. And, and I think a lot of them do this, too. And if I remember, Billy Graham was more like this. He tried to be neutral. He wasn't mm-hmm. a babyface-ass pickle sniffer, but he did put babyfaces over. But he also did shit on heels every time they did something heelish. He tried to be another 
commentator. Not he was trying to be. Commentator. He was trying to be Switzerland on commentary. Yes. So yes, I get where you go with that. So, but again, like I said, I think there was just a lot of flaws in it. I think he's more of a two minute promo guy, and then oh, he says the right things. He says his catchphrases. I want more. But when you got three hours on TV, I don't want more from Billy Graham. I want him to shut the fuck up. That's just right. the, the way right. I thought. But because of this, Mr. McMahon really had no other place for him because he even knew himself. Color commentary didn't work. He tried to do the manager thing with, with Don Morocco. And, of course, because the traveling would hurt his hip, his artificial hip in the 80s, like you just said, TW, that wasn't, you know, even though that was a, a great modern medicine thing in the 80s. It was hard plastic. It was hard. Yeah. So you can understand that Billy Graham could not travel 300 days out of the year managing Don Morocco. Just wouldn't it wouldn't be physically fit for Billy Graham to do that. You would have to give him a private jet and Vince McMahon is not going to pay for a private jet for Billy Graham. Try to, you know, adhese him. But anyway, mm -hmm. neither here nor there. So in the 90s. You know, when they released him, T.W., he got bitter. We have to admit that. And of course, in the 90s, what was going on? You know, there was a there was the uh, Pat Patterson, you know, children's sex, sex exploitation stuff. There was the steroid trials. And of course, one of the biggest moments of Billy Graham's uh, career was being on the Donahue show on a panel with Vince McMahon and looking Vince McMahon in the eye and just literally slamming Vince McMahon Jr. to the ground. He accused him of, of injecting wrestlers with steroids. He accused of, you know, Vince McMahon being of Jeffrey Epstein, giving children for, for his wrestlers to have sex with and all this stuff. And Vince McMahon just looked at him like, damn it, all the shit I did for you. Right, right. And in essence, in his memoirs, I, I believe, T.W., Billy Graham said, I made the, the sex stuff up. I don't know about the steroid stuff, he, but he did kind of like apologize for the sex stuff. Retracted. Of, retracted that saying that was the low point, but he needed, you know, he was desperate for money and all that stuff. So let's say TW about, you know, Billy Graham in the nineties being vindictive, Billy Graham going on any TV show. He went on Geraldo, Phil, Phil Donahue and all that and inside, inside edition, extra, all that stuff to, to, to sand. Like you always say, you know, sandbag your former employer. Why you do that? But bite you know, the hand you, the feeds, yeah. bite your I, hand to feed you. You know, it's funny because, Ever since I seen the movie and ever since I thought that's bullshit because if anybody was ever that high up on the card, they'd have a spot on any card if they ever wanted to come back. So it's bullshit is the wrestler. Billy Graham is the wrestler. He got to a point where he couldn't do it no more and felt owed that someone should. And, and Vince tried. You just said it. He tried managing. He tried TV commentating. Maybe which I don't know if they existed yet, because really Pat and Briscoe did everything up until that point. Maybe they didn't have agents yet. But if it would have been a little bit later down the line and he didn't bite the hand of feet, maybe he brought him back as an agent at some point because he did have a mind for it. But uh -huh. he ruined all that by doing that. But that, at the same time, hey, man, desperate people do desperate things. And that guy was probably in pain, probably had no health insurance. Um, that's why a lot of those guys, Jesse Ventura, this is one reason why, as much as I'm not a fan of the guy, because I think... He's negative, right? Like, if he was a more positive, like, what's that guy's name that was uh, a wrestler and then now he's a neurosurgeon or some shit in the wiki or whatever? Chris Nowitzki. That guy wants betterment for the boys and girls, but mm -hmm. isn't an asshole, right? He's, you, you want, you pull for him. Jesse's an asshole. He, he's, he's equal opportunity because if AEW does a concussion, some, someone in AEW has a concussion protocol, he wants yeah. him. 
if yeah. WWE, he wants he wants them yeah. for the wrestlers, like you said, for the boys yes, and girls. Right. Go ahead. He, but 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 he's but he's he's a gentleman about it. Mm-hmm. Jesse Ventura is an asshole, but that whole wanting a union isn't about money. It, it's about taking care of these guys when they're done. The only problem is who, where do you draw the line? You, you, you'd have to have some kind of tenure because how many guys are like me who wrestled for 15 years, but I never wrestled for one person for 15 years. So who's right. taking care of me? Nobody, mm-hmm. right? You're not going to make Vince take care of me. You're not going to make Ted Turner take care of me unless I did jobs for him on a regular basis. Then fine. That would count towards my tenure. Jesse wants Vince to cover every wrestler ever in the history of the country because the reason we're wrestling is because we want to get there. That's not fair, right? But mm-hmm. I agree with him in that there should become some kind of medical situation. But what is one What is one of the things Vince McMahon does that no one ever talks about unless it's the person he did it for? They go on TV and they thank him and then people go right back to shitting on him. That guy paid for people's rehabs while they were shitting on him on TV, he paid for people to get physical rehab, drug rehab, alcohol rehab. He took care of China before she died. He's trying to help her, trying to help X-Pac, Billy Gunn and, and Road Dog. Road Dog has a job there now. Those two used to go on, what do you call it, shoot videos and stuff and just bury this dude. But I think Vince, in hindsight, if the Donahue show doesn't happen, and who knows, he probably still did it after anyway. He would have took care of Billy Graham, I think, as far as helping him out with medical bills. Because uh-huh. once a family, always a family. But how can you do it after that? Uh, Call well, me a pedophile I, on TV and a and a kid pimp. You know, that's that's kind of hard to help you out after that. But they they, they made amends, and of course, yeah, in two thousand four, he was inducted into the WWE Hall of Fame. But it took making amends. For you know, Vince McMahon saying, well, giving the green light for Billy Graham to be in the WWE Hall of Fame, which he does richly deserve. Never, never denying that. Right. But I'll put a bow on the health issues. Again, we talked about the hip. We talked about the steroid abuse. Of course, he, you know, he was in the hospital in the 2000s multiple times. So again, he was in the hospital for for a head infection, and again, he died in in the hospital bed. His wife, the doctor said. We should pull the plug. His wife just held out hope and the power of prayer. But God wanted him up in heaven. So, you know, and he died on May 17th, 2023. So, T.W., let's put a bow on Superstar Billy Graham's career, his his contributions. And you know what? Let me ask you this question for 2023 purposes. Do you really because, you know, we, we can always joke about, you know, this. There's 50 guys that are like five foot eight, 165 pounds. AEW? Oh. I didn't say I didn't say organization. I just <laughs> oh, said that fit, there's 50 wrestlers that are like five foot eight, 165 pounds right now, wrestling all across the country. So I can't say that those guys are inspired by superstar Billy Graham. But of course, superstar Billy Graham is more than the look. Do you think there's anybody in your humble opinion in, in the 2020s? Whether they're smaller in, in, in stature could be inspired that you have seen by in, Superstar in, Billy Graham. In a in a six degrees of separation of Kevin Bacon, yes. Because there are people running around inspired by Hogan, by Scott Steiner, by mm-hmm. maybe even Jesse Ventura for that matter. But I doubt it. He's been gone long enough that I don't think a lot of these younger guys know who he is. And a lot of these young guys talk shit about Hulk Hogan because they think they're supposed to because they're woke. But uh, I don't think anybody... 
you know, unless someone like Cody, who is raised by his dad around these guys or the rock, the rock, but we can't really count the rock now because he's not current. Um, Guys who grew up, second, third generation guys, maybe even Roman, but I don't think they in, insert any of it into their thing, right? Uh-huh. Dolph Ziggler would be somebody that I would think the the show off, that kind of thing. But clearly, that's Shawn Michaels that he's he's repping. Um, Whatever you but, think. Yeah, I don't think there'd be anybody. Not as a shot to Billy Graham, but just he's just been gone too long. Some of these dudes, their parents were born when Billy Graham was done. You know what I mean? Like these twenty-year-olds, right. their parents might have been born in eighty-five. You know, and they're they're almost forty now, and Could they're twenty-year-old yeah. kids wrestling. So it it would have to be something very very specific. Like I said, someone growing up around him that's wrestling now, and they'd have to be older. They'd have to still be thirty or forty, like AJ Styles or Bobby Roode or you know someone like that age. Would you think maybe I'm I'm stretching this? Maybe I'm just thinking out of my ass, but whatever. You don't think MGF might have been inspired by Billy Graham with the promos at least? No, or just somebody that's, that's or 100% that's Rick- CM Punk. I'd say a little Bobby Heenan in there. Okay. And even some Scott Steiner. Okay. No, I'm just, I'm just saying, like, you know, that's the only name that could come up in my head that, you know, at least with the promos. Maybe he was inspired by Billy Graham for the. Well, the here's the sixth business. degree. He's done a couple because one of the comments I made to I'm back to liking him again. But mm-hmm. one of the comments I made to uh, to Travis once MJF won that belt, he turned into angry Ric Flair, and I didn't like that. Right. Okay. So if he's doing the Ric Flair stuff, he's by way of Ric Flair doing Billy Graham stuff. So I can see by, where you would think by, it. Pro- by proxy. By proxy. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. But, All right. With that being said. We close and pay homage to one of the greats in Piper, professional wrestling. The guy I meant. Uh, right. MJF was doing Piper stuff. Right. No, no, not he, Flair. Angry Flair is when he right, came right. on the belt. Before that, he was Piper Punk-ish. I, I understand. Totally understand. But with that being said, we close on this special tribute spotlight to superstar Billy Graham. So, you know, this was one of those kind of episodes that just came on the fly because of circumstances beyond our control. So I didn't plan on doing a spotlight on Billy Graham. It just needed to happen because of what I said last week. And I wanted to give credence to this week to pay homage to superstar Billy Graham. So what we're going to do next week, Reflection Nights, I don't know, maybe we'll... We'll go in the episodic uh, format because, you know, we're so close to getting to episode 200. So I got to I got to get that number closer to the 200, elusive 200. So with that being said, T.W., give out those socials so we can get out of here. All right. What, what the hell are you looking at? I'm looking for a spot where I'm going to put my uh, demon Finn Balor figure when it comes in the mail later. Oh, OK. Uh, <laughs> I'm also thinking about I should have bought that Billy Graham figure and I don't have it but now I'll go to buy it'll be $807 on eBay but right. uh, now that we've talked about him enough it's like you know what he was actually part of my wrestling journey yeah, I'm not, you, you know the first thing I'm doing when I'm getting done with you is I'm googling this fucking kung fu fighting Billy, Billy Graham video right so mm-hmm. but anyways the Pro Wrestling Coalition Network sponsors us at PWC Network at podbean.com also Hameen Media Group at Podbean.com. They're both there. Hameen Media Group is also channelattitude.com. Our Twitter is at PW Reflection. Travis already said, I always say if I mention it, I put you in there at nuts and bolts PW. That's B-O-E-L-T-Z. Pussy whip. Nuts and bolts PW. Uh, Big Ray can't do any. Man, he's been pretty quiet lately, other than a couple 
text to us. But Big Ray at Big Ray Hernandez across the board. If you want to find Big Ray Hernandez and you're anywhere, Pornhub, whatever, type in at Big Ray Hernandez with no spaces, you'll find him. Um, mine are Tommy Wonder 19 or at Tommy Wonder 19 are both Instagram and Twitter. Uh, at the Tommy Wonder is both TikTok and my nice guy Twitter. Snapchat is number wonder. Facebook.com backslash Tommy Wonder. And then the dumb dumb doing an idiot. Check this out. Two people that well, we but. know from the internet YouTube circle, whatever that would be called, IWC, YWC version of the YouTube hot food challenge people. They're coming in this weekend from Peoria, Illinois. It might not happen because one of us, Kurt, I hope, you know, your health's good. I hope you're re- recovering or whatever enough that he still might be able to make it. If he does, the full the five of us are gonna record a video together. It'll be two different YouTube channels. Dum Dum doing an idiot and Kirk and Stephanie doing videos together. Um, if we don't do that, maybe me and Matt and Stacey will just do one anyway. So, but Dum Dum Do on Idiot on YouTube. Uh, you can watch this show uh, through our friends Big Vito, but Big Vito Brand Patreon.com backslash the Big Vito Brand. That's Vito and Noel. Uh, but you can also watch the early release of this video at Twitch.tv backslash the Big Vito Brand. And of course, you can follow me on my Twitter at PW, uh, PWSOPROF. That's PWSOPROF. And of course, if this gets uploaded by 8 Track Brown, this will be on the PWSO YouTube networks. Follow my brothers in arms, Billy Ray Valentine at OB1. You know me. He's got all the documents. He already knows who's, who's winning the 2024 presidency. But again, I'm not going to give that away. You got you to gotta subscribe to the Infinite Fringe. And of course, <laughs> the king of the reactions, 8-Track Brown at the number 8, P-R-A-C Brown. And again, next week we will do probably an episodic episode. But, you know, if something catches the professor's eye, he might keep I keep you on your toes, Reflection Ice. I keep you on your toes. And that being said, I'm the professor. That's Mr. Wonderful Dum Dum doing its own. Tommy Wonder saying goodnight, and we'll see you next time here at the PWR podcast at Hamimini Group at Podbeam.com. Peace. Show up the guns, TW. They don't fit in the screen, baby. That's good enough for me. <laughs> <laughs>